And it was like little things that they do, like um, they buy the rights to music so that mm. guys can have like popular music. Yep. And I'm just like, that's a nice touch. Like, yeah. Don't they... get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with CFOs and, and WWE, but like these guys are playing song songs. Yeah. It's it's the the little things in in production that uh, yeah. that are good. It's just they like, they gotta be more. I don't know. They gotta work on their stories. They they have a lot of tournaments and um, that, that seem to be kind of seeing them through. Did but, you see um, when? Uh, did you see when? I think one of the stipulations was like Jericho's uh, music couldn't be played on his entrance. Yeah. So the crowd actually sang it. Like that was pretty awesome. That was good. That that was see they for a while people have been singing Jericho's theme. So yeah, it it, it made sense that that was an easy layup for the fans there. Say, but still, yeah. but still good. The the what was it? The five labors of of Jericho and stuff. See that's that's new. That that's unique. That was great. And, Would you say that MJF is the best heel in the business right now? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he's because he's he's not afraid to 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 be that like twenty four seven like on TV and online. Like I get all the you know the weird ads on Facebook and whatnot. So like whenever cameo shows up, I just swipe through to see, and it's like MJF has one. And he, he's being exactly as you would think. Yeah, his is funny, and then Virgil. I don't know if I feel sorry for him or if one day we got to do a podcast on that or just talk about him like off of the record like I don't know like part of me feels bad for him and then the other part of me is like they basically just make you make a buffoon of yourself I don't know a lot about Virgil you know who it is though right you know who Virgil is yeah yeah it was, he was from like the 80s wasn't he he was a he was what's his name his valet uh Ted DiBiase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He. And then, uh, I think I read somewhere he, that if someone like wants a picture with him, he'll he's he's instantly like, you need to pay me for this picture. Yeah, like he sets up tables with memorabilia in like random places. Um, he was also an NWO. Like, he was usually the guy that like when it went bad, they left him to like get his ass kicked. Oh. Like, if you watch, like that's what that was his role with DiBiase. Is like DiBiase would escape. He'd escape like the Undertaker or Diesel. Believers get his ass. But yeah. So I was gonna ask that that smoke alarm? Like is that uh, is that soothing to you? Is that like that Nah, I just like I get so busy. I don't ever think about it until you like you guys say something. <laughs> Kills me when like, I have it's an audio man. <laughs> Can I send you some battery? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have it fixed by the next one. It's like a running gag at this point. I, I thought like, oh, is it something that, uh, like you know how people like the, the sound of vacuums and stuff? Like it's soothing. Maybe it re- reminds yeah. them of childhood or something. I was like, well, maybe is it that? No, it just, just dude, we, we got three kids in the house. Like we're constantly on the go. Oh, I bet. So Wes writes for fun. Luke from Warrington here. But we're here now to talk about Kofi Mania, which was a unique trip. We'd usually done WrestleManias live and in person. So we went to, so Marley and I went to 31 in uh, Santa Clara. The three of us went to 32 in Dallas. 
and 33 in Orlando. 34 was in New Orleans, and we, we decided to skip that year. We decided to be adults. We all had adult shit going on. I know. And I went to England that year, too, like a month before that. And because I live in California and all my money just hemorrhages. We were in the home buying process, literally, during that. Because we closed in June. So, yeah, that would have... My wife would never forgive me. That's when you that sold your, your belts, wasn't it? That's when you yeah. sold your WWE? Man, yeah. that's commitment. That's that's love for your family right there when you sell your, have to sell your WWE belts for a house. Yeah, no, we're going to get a... There's, you know what's funny? There's really only one belt I want, and that's the NXT title belt. Like, that's my favorite belt. The current one? Yes, with the yeah. big X, right? It's a pretty belt. I hated the original one. Yeah, it was kind of like toy-like, wasn't it? Yeah. I still have my my US belt, but I can't really get to it because it's more like a more like part of a plant display. So my wife puts plants literally everywhere, which I'm not complaining about because I like it. But as a compromise to have my US belt out, I kind of had to like put a big plant pot in the middle of it. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> And, and now the plant's grown out so much that you can really barely see the belt anymore. Yeah, so Kofi Mania. So for, for Mania 35 in New York, we decided to skip the actual event and go to two other events. So I believe on the Friday... Friday was NXT. Friday was NXT TakeOver. That, to this day... I think it's still the greatest, like, card I've ever been to live. What a show. What a show. Like, TakeOver Orlando was good, but it, it had a couple... I don't, I don't want to say duds, but the card in, that we went to uh, in Brooklyn was insane. Oh my god, look at this card. So it started off, so the pre-show had... Um, Street Profits well, I think we're just starting out at the time uh, defeat Fabian Ackner and Marcel Barthel I hope that's how I'm pronouncing it um, so they would be um, they're in what's his name's group Walter's group Imperium yeah. and then we had Jackson Riker Danny Birch um Anyway, Candice LeRae defeating Aaliyah on the pre-show. Then, boy, the first match on the card there was the War Raiders, or as they're known these days, is it Viking Raiders? I thought it was a Viking experience. For they a hot minute, wasn't it? So many times. Yeah. I remember, I remember that first Monday Night Raw where they were the Viking experience, and Michael Cole just kept saying, Viking experience, the experience, Viking experience. And then it just got slated online so much that they had to change it, which um, is a good story about people power, I guess, and uh, fan feedback, because they changed that shit right away. And they... So they... Uh, they beat Alistair Black and Ricochet, who went on a... a really weird and rare run or at least in the couple of weeks leading up to that event they competed for all three uh tag team championships alistair black and ricochet and i think they lost them all right yeah yeah but 
But I mean, I guess I guess the the powers that be saw something in them as a team. Ricochet is you know is Ricochet, um, who's always good for a good, always good for a spot. And then Alistair Black after his uh, NXT Championship run uh, came with a lot of hype. So putting them together was um, um, yeah was good for entertainment value. So War Raiders retained there. Velveteen Dream defeated. <laughs> It's Velveteen Dream, God. So he he defeated Matt Riddle uh, for the North American Championship. We and then oh my God, we had Walter, Walter beating Pete Dunne's long reign. Um, that was actually my first time seeing Walter. Yeah, uh, first oh. time, first time for me seeing him live. Um, I I hadn't kept up with him on the Indies. Uh, nearly as much as others had but I knew that he was a absolute chop savage um God. I, can, I can still hear those like they would quiet the crowd down yeah and then he slapped the living shit oh <laughs> out of a guy that match was brutal 25 minutes and 40 seconds of just absolute brutality um so yeah, Walter ended uh, Pete Dunne's long reign there, and he would go on to keep the belt for like two years before uh, recently losing it to Dragunov. Yeah. And you had you had Baszler, Shayna Baszler, defeating Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and Kairi Sane for the women's championship, and then the main event was. I don't think Gar- Baszler gets enough. Uh... I don't think she gets enough credit for like just how dominant she was in NXT. I know. I thought she could be. She was what Ronda Rousey should have been. Yeah. Um, just an absolute like bully. Yeah. Amongst the the women's division. Um, again, another one who like hasn't translated. Um. As successfully as you would like on the main roster, like she came in with a lot of hype. I think when she got called up, um, she basically eliminated everyone from Elimination Chamber. But then, what's they wrong? They had her lose. I think was it her first? They basically had her jobbing out. It's like, yo, I've seen this chick choke out three other chicks in a fatal four way. Yeah, they 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 jobbed her at Mania um, the following year to. Becky Lynch, which which would indicate that, that all Baszler really was, was just built up to be this machine that, that Becky Lynch would eventually overcome. Like, she was she was set up to be an impressive win for, for Lynch, it seemed like. But, oh well, there you go. And then, yeah, the main event of that takeover was uh, Gargano defeating Adam Cole 2-1. For the for the NXT Championship, the one thing I remember from that, which yeah. I didn't really like, was so so that was a that was a vacant championship um, that Champa had vacated a few weeks before. And what they did is right at the end they had Champa come out and congratulate Gargano when they were supposed to be like the bitter rivals. 
and I mean, I, I get it that the the friends, the friends in real life, and and you know they wanted that moment together in front of the crowd, but you know to to have that on TV, like it's t- it's still a TV show, it's still presentation, there's still stories and kayfabe to to adhere to. So I don't know, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, um, it's funny how they played that uh, around the kayfabe. If you can remember when uh, they went the opposite route and uh, Kevin Owens won the Universal title, he was really good friends with Sami Zayn. Um, and they actually had, and it got to the point where when he did interviews, like he would allude to him being there, but he tried to protect the kayfabe. So I agree with you on that because mm-hmm. people forget that that Gargano champ, like that was. One of the most brutal rivalries. Yeah. Uh, ever. And I think they actually, you know, we can make this argument that they played to that too much and crapped out on it with the last match, but uh, that's for another day, another episode. Um, as far as this card, so my kind of observations from it, so I can just, like, the, the standing image I have of that whole thing was the last five minutes of the Adam Cole Gargano match when Undisputed Era came out and they're trying to like screw him out of it Mm -hmm. I legit did not know who was gonna win but that was some of the best like you know I like I'm getting chills just thinking about it now um it was from top to bottom it was just a stacked card and everybody brought their A game yep yeah, it was my first time seeing Baszler, and I believe they had her submit every chick. If I if I remember correctly, she got okay. every elimination, and she like just was submitting them. Um, no, she did that in the, in the chamber. Can't quite remember. If she did that in, in that match. Makes yeah. sense though. Um, so that was just that was so to anybody listening. Um, I didn't know about the Adam Cole chant. So, I'm the walking Bay around Bay? Barclays. Yeah. I'm walking around Barclays and people were doing that. I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> uh, I was just a Gargano guy because I, I just dug the whole like kind of anime shit that he did with his entrance and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'll say I left Brooklyn a huge... Uh, Adam Cole fan after that night um, and to give kind of people you know kind of the, the lay of the land on the weekend so they flew out to Philly stay at my house for a night and then we took the train up to New York we had an Airbnb Yep. and it was like to me that was how wrestling was supposed to be like you walked everywhere you get pizza go back to the Airbnb first Stop we hit was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we took the subway and uh, down the street from my Airbnb was like a bodega corner store. We loaded up on beer. Mm-hmm. It was, I was like, actually, that was my first time taking the subway. I saw the biggest rat in my life running on a, on a thing, on like a pipe up top. Yeah, it was the size of a fucking cat. Yeah. That was, that was my first experience on the, yeah, the New York subways. <laughs> 
And I'm sitting there like, we get a fucking Uber. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, like, is anyone going to say anything? This is, yeah, apparently yeah, it's normal. No, this is just fucking normal, man. Yeah. So, Saturday night, we did uh, the New Japan Ring of Honor card at Madison Square Garden. G1 Supercard. Oh, my God. Now, I was geeked for a different reason. I So, anybody that knows me knows how much I love arenas and the history of them and the architecture there's no more famous arena in the world than madison square garden like Mm -hmm. period and so we go and you walk in the hallways and you can just feel the history in the place they got old nick shut up they've got you know springsteen like all this great memorabilia and it was my first time watching anything ring of honor or anything new japan uh so i'm it felt kind of like a tourist in a lot of ways yeah i'll never yeah. forget uh you luke we were it was there's like a lull in the action at some point and you just stand up and you go adam cole at the top of your lungs and our whole yeah. goes, Baby. <laughs> yeah i popped to that i i didn't know i didn't know people would uh would respond to it i'm so glad when everyone went baby <laughs> Dude, I did that oh. again. I did that again um, at Takeover Portland when I went with Marley. But I said uh, instead of Adam Cole, I went Michael Cole, <laughs> and like I got no reaction. I went Michael Cole, baby. No one reacted. <laughs> it was like a groan, a groan from the crowd. That so was that great. Card, I remember they had a. They did a. It was almost like a Royal Rumble type thing mm-hmm. and they just had like it, it felt like anybody who ever wrestled that wanted to get in they let them in yeah so like uh tonga, the, tonga. like haku haku from the the wild samoans like he was in it at one point yep and i can't remember that wasn't the match where enzo came out and ruined it was it no that was no, no i remember oh, yeah enzo and cast I remember being like, I was really excited for that. Like Enzo and Cass get, oh well, Enzo particularly gets like a really bad rap. I don't know if he like rubs people the wrong way. People don't like him. Probably. But I, li- I, I live in Jersey. I know how North Jersey people are. Yeah, <laughs> they're very much like him. I I I don't know when when they came out. We yeah we didn't know what was going on because it clearly wasn't planned. But you could see Enzo's, you could see Enzo's like blonde hair. And then I remember seeing like a big guy next to him. I was like, oh shit, that's Enzo and Cass. It was, it was planned. apparently not. Apparently, apparently Enzo, Enzo said it was um, like only one or two people knew. But like the the Grills of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tongaloa didn't know. <laughs> Bully Ray that. didn't know. The Briscoes didn't know. And it was just kind of a, it was kind of like a clusterfuck. Enzo, Enzo was saying that they got a cab uh, to the side of the arena, had him wait, and then as soon as it all ended, they just went back and and caught their cab home. But it was a, it there was a four way match for the um, New Japan IWGP Tag Titles and and Ring of Honor Tag Championships. It was a double title match, and they came out during that. Yeah, it seemed like a seemed like a Enzo stunt um, but it, it was kind of weird it, it didn't it didn't fit in with the match it didn't really 
I think it came after the pin. I mean, yeah, it was weird. I was, over. I was all over it because I was like, I was already quite a few beers deep and pretty sure I was pretty sure I'd smoked uh, and had an edible. So, so I was all about it. But yeah, that was the, yeah, that was the eighth match of the night. So yeah, I was probably lit at that point. It was Gorillas of Destiny, Villain Enterprises. Uh, L-I-J. Yeah. Los Ingo Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So, just from my point of view, like, watching a a New Japan card, like, I feel like they flowed better than WWE does. Mm -hmm. Having the speaker announce things and, and stuff like that. It was definitely a more efficient show. But I will say this, I do feel like some of their matches went a little too long. Yeah, they do um, go long. Yeah. I ended up leaving before the main event, which was Okada versus Jay White. Mm-hmm. And looking at it, it's 30, 32 minutes. Like, dude, it should not take that long. Yeah, you've got the, the last two matches there took an hour. So it's at, at that point, you're asking a lot of people to to keep that energy up um and you know what that's the other thing i felt like is there's one thing that the wb has that new japan lacked i don't know if it's a cultural thing but like the crowd didn't seem as hot at new japan as it does at the wb event and I, I i'm wondering if it's just a cultural thing if they have more you know what i mean yeah i wonder if it's um yeah i don't know i, I Certainly, if you compare it to the NXT show from the night before, NXT um, are really good. I mean, takeover takeovers have like five matches, so they can they can they can filter all the entertainment into those. They can they can squeeze all the juice out of five matches and keep the energy going, and be done in like two and a half hours. But that New Japan show. Shit, how long we were there? It was like three and a half, four hours, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's it's you know it it depends on New Japan like to to stack their cards, um, but it doesn't seem like they take into account crowd energy uh, or crowd like yeah yeah just the amount of energy that people have in them like you can you can't expect people to you know keep drinking and smoking and and you know have all have all that energy for for four hours like it just it just doesn't happen um but i yeah, think that's where nice. where nxt gained um yeah and i'm putting that on more than new japan i think had it been a straight ring of honor card it'd be something different like it would have felt more like nxt yeah yeah i mean with, with new japan I don't, I don't know what the um you know, if you watch a New Japan show, the, the Japanese crowds aren't um, aren't as rowdy. So I don't know if if over the course of a few hours that they, you know, they sustain their energy more um, and are more balanced with it. Whereas, you know, Western culture, I don't know. Maybe we just blow our energy load early, and just drink and smoke in excess, and then just get tired. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they didn't anticipate that. But uh, still, still great show. Uh, it was it was wild to see to see Ring of Honor and New Japan team up like that. It was it 
it's very refreshing to see uh, like dream matches happen and crossovers happen like that. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of those matches were championship matches. So, I mean, that was that was great for me to watch, especially at th- at that time. I'd been kind, I'd been keeping an eye on New Japan for a couple of years. Not so much Ring of Honor, but I kind of knew the people. But seeing the likes of, um, yeah, seeing the likes of Kota Ibushi, uh, Naito, Okada, Live. Takamichinoku was there. Takamichinoku was there. He was in that battle royal, wasn't he? Jushin Thunder Liger, the legend that he is. Shit, that, that battle royal went on for 40 minutes. Will Ospreay, my, uh, my compatriot there. Seeing him live. Pretty cool seeing uh, Jay Lethal. Yeah. Some of these guys are going to go down as legends just for not making a jump to WWE. Jay Lethal's definitely one of them. Yep. He was big, uh, he was big in Impact for a while, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Jay Lethal's great. Yeah, Takamichinoku accompanied uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, another British guy. So, but anyway... Uh, as a whole, the card was the card was great. Um, it's just I don't know. I, I think when, if you're American, you're raised on a certain kind of wrestling, and it's a bit jarring. I I, I don't think uh, New Japan is built for the attention span of the average person today. No, no. You know, thirty minutes from that, like no, American at least American wrestling fans. We'll give you 20 minutes, and we need three spots and four false finishes. Yeah. <laughs> America's, America, at least nowadays, is built for the, for like an Avengers movie, just action, action, action. Um, yeah. Not much, not much lull, not much rest period, not much time to, you know, kind of get sunk into like a 30 minute opera of a match whereas it's it seems like the it seems like the more eastern uh, asian crowds are, are used to that so it's it's um it's interesting to see how new new japan do their american shows nowadays it's a fine balance that they have to that they have to find so i don't know if you made this connection but it feels like AEW tries to emulate that style a little bit. It feels like they're a lot longer than they should be where I'll give credit to WWE and NXT that they don't do that. Every now and then they'll overindulge like they did on that first uh, is it O'Reilly Cole match? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, this should have ended 10 minutes ago, but for the most part, they have a good sense of the pulse um, of the crowd where AEW New Japan, it just it seems, and it it might just be my, yeah, I might be wrong in, in how I'm looking at that, but um, it just feels like there's an an excess there that just doesn't work for me. I think they're, they're still trying to find themselves. They're still they're trying to be. At first, they were trying to be that alternative, but man, when all these releases happen. Like they can't help but scoop them all up, but then when you and get all those people I'm saying, in, I'm getting heavy WCW vibes off of AEW. Like it just feels like 
they're just just kind of signing guys just to sign them just because it used to be WWE kind of like as, as an FU but it's like okay and here's what I tell myself there's a big release and someone signs with AEW like yeah they're signed with AEW but you gotta remember they had to get released there's yeah. a reason for it like as much as I like Aleister Black like he wasn't cutting in WWE mm. you know um it's gonna take them releasing somebody like Orton for me to be like, ooh, okay, what's going on here? But, you know, are they releasing good wrestlers? Yes. However, you know, these wrestlers are still, they're trimming fat at this point. It's not like they're trimming actual meat on yeah. the bone. They they scooped a lot of them up um, to deter them from signing with other companies. Yeah, but like you, you ever notice that it's not WWE doing doing the scooping, like so it it really lets you know who's still a big dog in this or or what their market share is. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but it does. It's good to have competition. It's just I wish people would keep uh, a more level head about. What's going on? I wonder. I mean, AEW have definitely run uh, a lot on their their momentum has has been kept up by a lot of anti WWE people. And Which is smart. Smart to capitalize on that, sure. Yeah, um, it's, it, it 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 works for you to be to be the counter. To, to people's complaints. Is there mm-hmm. a time where we're not WWE isn't going to be worth anything? Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm waiting on. Like, they've got the roster. Um, even if some of their guys are a little bit... Like, Jericho's still game for a match, but come on. I've been, we've been watching him since we were kids. Um, I like MJF. I love Kenny. Uh, I love the Young Bucks. I personally think Cody is a little bit overrated. Same. Uh, however, I'll give him credit for not, even though he's an EVP, like, he doesn't book himself as if he's, you know, he books himself out of title matches. So, I'm excited to see where where they go. I was really impressed with what I saw from the pay-per-view. Um, the other thing I would say is I don't... I hope they come up with a streaming thing because WWE Network spoiled me into not wanting to pay money for pay-per-views. Yeah, yeah, same. There's, there's no way I'm paying 50, 60 bucks or whatever for an event. That's anything. That's UFC. That's anything. So, all right. Let's, 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 I guess let's wrap it up then. Um, so, as Anthony knows, I'm terrible at outros. So... I guess I'm just going to ask. You got anything to promote? How how's the book sales been doing? Uh, it's fine. Like you. you know, my my book sales usually come out the gate hot. It it's kind of if I had to relate it to what we talked to, it's like the new young hot prospect that comes out. Yeah. And they're on fire, and then eventually, like, it starts to tinker off. But uh, once it does that, I'm usually, you know knee deep into the next one 
Yeah. Like I'm, and and that's the thing about writing. Like I don't write for income. I just write because I love to do it. Yeah. So when some people's shit slow down, they're like, "Oh my god, okay, that this means it's time for me to work on the next one." Mm-hmm. Um. So it's going great. Um. I've got some pretty cool things in the in the pipeline. Um. I might actually be uh, speaking in New York. Uh, to this art club um, that supports foster youth doing art. Um, Great. And it's funny, you know, I'm taking a job again at Apple and like I can actually sell iPads to people by telling them I wrote a book on my iPad. So who knows? Maybe sales will. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Aces. All right. Well, listeners. You can get headphones and heartaches as well as coffee and condolences on Amazon.com. And uh, if you didn't know, uh, half of every copy of headphones and heartaches goes to uh, the Camp 2 Belong River Valley. And that is a volunteer organization that hosts events for siblings separated by foster care. So not only will you be supporting uh, Wes here with his passion, you'll also be supporting a good cause. So please head to Amazon.com and buy yourself a copy. Um, I guess I've not got really much to promote here. I've just got a new job at Cowgirl Creamery in Sonoma County, and we deliver nationwide. So if you like cheese, go online. I don't even know why I'm doing this. They're not paying me to promote them. But uh, yeah, go online, cowgirlcreamery.com. Put an order in. Get your family members some cheese this Christmas. <laughs> Tell them Luke sent you. <laughs> Tell them Luke sent you. Luke from Warrington, who for some reason lives in the Bay Area and pays $5.30 for fucking gas. Hi, my name is Wesley Parker. You might know me on Instagram as Wes Writes for Fun, which means you also know that I write books. Headphones and Heartaches tells the story of Percy Martin, a homeless teenager placed into the foster care system after his mother overdoses on heroin. Sounds interesting, right? Well, what if I told you that at one point in my life, I was Percy Martin? At the age of eight, I was summoned from my third grade classroom to the main office, where a social worker told me that I was being taken away from my mother and placed in the foster care. I never went back home. Now I'm not complaining because I had wonderful foster mothers who treated me like I was one of their own and helped me navigate this new normal that I was living in. But yet and still, I never quite felt like I fit in. That sense of normalcy that I craved evaded me for most of my life until I got married and had kids of my own and gave them the upbringing that I never had. As I wrote this book and researched the changes in foster care since I emancipated, I found myself frustrated knowing that kids are still dealing with this kind of new normal. I was also frustrated because I felt like I could be doing more. Sure, writing a book and detailing the experience of being in foster care would help them feel less alone, but I felt really disingenuous to write this book and slink back into my comfortable life while they still dealt with the horrors of being in foster care. It was an itch that I couldn't scratch, and I racked my brain trying to figure out ways to do more and make a difference, which is why I am ecstatic to announce 
that half of every copy of Headphones and Heartache sold will be going to the Camp To Belong River Valley organization. Camp To Belong River Valley is a 100% volunteer-based organization that hosts events for siblings separated in foster care. While we take for granted the ability to share meals with our siblings and even tell them goodnight, to these kids, that means everything. The organization is committed to helping kids foster healthy relationships with their siblings while creating positive childhood memories and preparing them for adulthood. You can learn more about the organization by checking out their website at ctbrivervalley.org. You can check out past events, maybe even donate. I hope that you'll join me in helping make an impact on children who need it the most.